Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. And today we're going to be talking about the situation where a Hillsong songwriter has come out publicly as losing their faith. We're going to do a little bit of an update to this story, and I want us to take it take a step moving towards solutions to how do we show up the church to make sure that our believers and we ourselves are capable to have firm foundation and a firm faith in a world which is increasingly hostile to the gospel. So as far as an update to this story, there was a, another member of another popular Christian brand from Skillet who come out to address the situation, recognizing that we have a problem in Christian culture. And yesterday we kind of talked about this quite a bit, but I realized in our conversation we never really got to a good place of solutions and how do we get to a place where we can think clearly, we can think as critical thinkers, where we find liberty in the gospel and we're able to overcome a lot of the problems in the world. So today I'm going to start off reading some of this and expand some of my thoughts and then we will move towards solutions on how we can be a solid church that is under the leadership and headship of Christ Jesus and his gospel and not just our own personal persuasions, our own sentiments that we may have. So let me begin with this article, and I just want to paraphrase a little bit of what is found here. So if you're not familiar with Skillet, it's a popular Christian band, as is Hillsong. I think we need to learn to make distinctions between what is actually worship in the church and then what is something like a, a band that is associated with Christianity. We need to be able to make those distinctions, and it's not a problem. It's not saying that something is bad just because we make distinctions. So all of this comes in light of Marty Sampson. He was a songwriter with Hillsong United, and he came out saying, I'm genuinely losing my faith. But recently, if you go over to Skillet, one of their lead singers, he came out and saying, look, there's a problem we have in Christianity, and here's where I'm going to get directly to some of his statements. He said, firstly, I never judge people outside of my faith. Even if they hate religion or Christianity, that is not my place, and I have many friends who disagree with my religions, and that is 100% fine with me. However, when it comes to people within my faith, there must be a measure of loyalty and friendship and accountability to each other and to the Word of God. Now, his statement is a little different from the man who left the faith. Cooper here is saying we must have accountability to the Word of God. And that's very important. It's an operative thing that we find here. And you can see some shifts in culture. Again, just because a celebrity say it doesn't mean it's true. Just because even I'm saying it over here shouldn't be your metric for what is true. What should be our metric for what is truth is going back to the gospel itself, looking at the Christian community over the last 2,000 years and seeing how God has revealed truth to us. We should never put people in a place where they become our standard for truth. That's a way that the tempter comes after us. So that's a big problem. Well, continuing on, Cooper, he came and said, Christians and the Christian church at large must stop making worship leaders and thought leaders or influencers relevant. And that is so important. We live in a day and age where people, they want to make we're so desperate for affirmation from celebrities. We want to have a lot of power in culture. They look for macro solutions and we say, oh, if we can just get big bands out there, we can have massive churches where everyone comes together that have these large assemblies. And we all are brought together by a, a monolithic mood. We all feel the same. We all move the same. Then that is how we'll have relevancy. But of course, that is not what the church is meant to be. And looking here uh, further into what Cooper said, he said, we are in a dangerous place when the church is looking to 20-year-old worship singers as our source of, source of truth. We now have a church culture that learns who God is from singing modern praise songs rather than from the teachings of the word. And this is absolutely true. 
We, we live in a day and age, and I'm even guilty of this myself. Obviously, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher. When I was a young person, I never thought that I would become a preacher. It was something which was a bit, I don't want to say it was repulsive to me, but I just thought, you know, there's, there's other avenues of the church that we must pursue. And really, there is this kind of mentality that undermined the value of preaching and kind of taught myself and a lot of other young people that, you know, preaching is irrelevant. It's old school. You don't want anything to do with it. Everybody hates preaching. We look at movies and things and we say, oh, that was so preachy. I don't want to see that. As I have gotten older and a little wiser, I've come to realize that people actually really crave preaching, but they don't like preaching being mixed with art. And art and preaching, they serve different roles. And we'll get to that later. But back to what Mr. Cooper is saying, who's with the band Skillet, he's emphasizing that we cannot make the object of Christianity its leaders. You shouldn't be going to a church just because you really like the pastor. You also shouldn't be leaving a church if you really don't like the pastor, unless there's some other problem. You know, they're not teaching the gospel. There's some sin issue there. You know, that being the case, we should be loyal to our churches and stick together with cohesion, trying to figure out how we can be the church with one another. And a lot of times that is not smooth. It's not always the nicest thing, but it is something which is quite serious. So one of the things that we have found in this man leaving the faith publicly is a couple of things. One, we are to follow Christ and his gospel, not leaders. We're not to follow people. Second, we have found that Christ truly must be the head of the church, not a mood. And I want to emphasize that. So many times we find people coming in and trying to express, you know, what is worship? When I was a young pastor and I worked with a lot of college students, I would have people come in and I would say, can you tell me what worship is? Some of these people were studying to be worship arts majors, and there was an overwhelmingly consensus that people could not give a definition of worship. And it was kind of this idea that if something is subjective, if there's different forms of it, then there must be no standards with it at all. And you can kind of say whatever you want to and get by. Now, that really doesn't cut it if Christianity wants to be strong. If we want to be the people God has called us to be, we've got to have something more than that. And another thing we learn from this is that the gospel does not teach us that there won't be dark places. And when we see somebody leave the faith, this is obviously an example of a dark place where someone, they've had something come into their life. There's a great temptation, and I've seen a lot of articles out there. I've heard people say, you know, this man, he was never really a Christian. I'm not going to go that far. I don't really like making the no true Scotsman argument and saying he was never a Christian to start with. But whenever we see people apostate from the faith, one thing that I feel pretty secure in is that there was never sincere, firm theology. And going back to what Mr. Cooper of Skillet said about we now have a church culture that learns who God is from singing modern praise songs rather than from the teachings of the word hits home in this point. Most modern praise songs, not all of them, and I'm not here to beat up on modern praise songs. Throughout the history of the church, we've had things which are more they're more shallow, and I just hate to say that, than they are com- theologically complex. But the modern praise songs are not sufficient to, to cake people through the difficult areas of life. And what Mr. Cooper here is pointing out is that is where people are learning church culture. And I actually think the modern praise songs are fine as long as they're put in their position. I think a lot of the, even going to a concert, 
You know, forever I will be endeared to to material like Family Force 5. You know, it was popular when I was coming of age. I look at it now. Um, probably shouldn't look at it as as an adult now. You never want to meet um, things that you kind of, they're never really what they lived up to be when you look back on it. But at the same time, I realize stuff like that, it has its place. It's, it's great stuff. And it's wonderful that people can have their Christian walk supplemented by it. I think that's great. People need to be surrounded by Christian material. But that doesn't need to be our primary source of church culture. And we've got to a day and age where it really is becoming our primary source of church culture. In our podcast we put out yesterday, I had made the point that if you go, again, we're Church of the Nazarene, if you go to a district assembly, which is kind of our annual meetings, if they have a panel on worship, I hate that I'm saying this, and I I really hope somebody can prove me wrong, but you can pretty much feel comfortable saying, Everyone on that panel is going to be someone that has a mood and tone similar to what you find with the, the Hillsong thing. And I'm not here to beat up on that. I think, I think it's a fine thing, but we must realize that that should not be our only source for worship. Worship in itself is not limited to music. So we, we need a more complex understanding of the world around us. We need to have a better source of church culture than just any one thing. And we have to look beyond that. Um. I realize that as I'm talking about this, a lot of times we are so primed to get angry about, you know, oh, you criticized how I do worship, therefore you think my worldview is bad, you think I'm not a Christian. I'm not doing any of that. Um, but we have to be mature and come together and say the backbone of the church is rooted in in the faithfulness of Christ Jesus. It is not rooted in the pastor we may like, the worship music we may like. It's not even in the, the design and architecture of the church that we may be really into. It's it's rooted in Christ Jesus. We have to find unity in that. And one of the the things that I've seen a couple years ago, there was a, a college student who had come over to the church and I was helping them put together some some things for a project they had and they had been talking about some music and things that they wanted to be playing in a video they were making. And she had picked out a, a song. It was actually from Hillsong. And I wasn't terribly familiar with it at the time. And, you know, I asked her about it and she said, well, you don't know who Hillsong is? They're only the most powerful force in Christian music. And I kind of looked at her and said, well, evidently not. If I'm not familiar with them, I've been pastoring for years. But to this college student, it was a shocker. Like everybody should know who this is. This is where we go to. And whenever you come to, to church and you find something like a worship service, if you've got something like a music special where, where people are singing things, they always want to measure up to how did the commercial artist play this. You know, they sing something like um, the song When We Pray. You know, they want the oohs and ahs in there just as the, the, the performing artist did it. And while I, I think it's fine that we enjoy those things, we have to realize we're not supposed to measure up to some leader. We're not supposed to measure up to some earthly artist. We're not supposed to measure up to those things. And you find people, they have a lot of musicians there in the church, but they'd rather sing with the soundtrack. Again, they're wanting to measure up to some external standard. And while it's not sinful to do this, and it's not something which I even think is bad, I'm, I'm fine with these things being done in good taste, we have to make distinctions and say there are things which are good. Um, having a good preacher, having a good minister is good, having good people involved in music, all these things are good. But they're not the source of who defines us as Christians. What defines us as Christians is the ministry, the faithfulness of Christ Jesus, and the leadership of Christ Jesus in his church, and the holiness that we find when we look to Christ. It is the truth in the gospel that should define us. So how do we keep people from 
leaving the church. Because one of the concerns that I've really had with my generation, and I, I realize I'm pretty young as a minister, and look, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm right around that age of, of 30. I've made a lot of mistakes, will continue to make mistakes, but by the sanctifying power of Christ, I am being, well, coming closer and closer to being a, a good pastor with, with good judgment, I do hope. But I have faith in God that he calls us to do great things, even when we're not necessarily qualified to do it. God always is having people grow. And when I look at the world around me, I look at young people, I look at Christians, I realize the church is missing a firm backbone. Um, we, we don't like to have a lot of friction with the culture around us. We don't have cohesion within our local churches like we should. A lot of times there's a mentality, and this is throughout the Protestant world, where you kind of pick and choose the church you want to go to. Is it my fit? Does it feel right for me? We don't have an inherent loyalty to the command of the gospel to be a part of Christ's church. There's this ancient saying, which is extra ecclesiam nulla salus, which is outside the church there is no salvation. And what that means is, People can argue with you, you know, you can be saved outside of the church one way or another. The basic logic, at a bare minimum, you must concede that if you do become a believer, you are supposed to enter into the church. So the church is something which is set aside. And if we are to have a firm backbone, we must be set aside as a united body of believers. Now, this is where we get to our solutions to how we have a firm Christian culture. Because where we're at in the West, you know, whether it be political atmosphere, celebrities, the West is getting increasingly hostile to Christianity. Um, you hear things like the war on Christmas. You hear a lot of this stuff. A lot of people are critical of this language. Um, I know a lot of people who are critical of that. But the spider sense telling you that the, the world is starting to get opposed to Christianity in the West is true. Um, it's not as bad as um, some people make it out. It's not as bad as what the television or what you find on Facebook or Twitter is going to make it out to be. The world is nowhere near when you go outside and talk with people as bad as a lot of things are going to make it out to be. But the sentiment of the West turning against Christianity is true. And the Babylon Bee put out an article a couple of weeks ago of, about how you could have like celebrity survival with Christians and put 12 celebrity Christians out and how many lose their faith. A lot of them are going to lose their faith. It's pretty much true. Um, unfortunately, because so many of us are not built up with a good fortification around our faith. We don't have a strong conviction of who we're called to be. So let's get to some solutions on this because I want us to have a, a positive resolution to what can be um, thrown at us. So if we are to have the upstanding character necessary to preach the gospel and live as we are called in the world, which is increasingly hostile to Christians, we need to have the ability to make distinctions. And this is a very important thing, and I probably should have led with this in this program. We need to have distinctions between different things. We did a podcast on sacraments, and is foot washing a sacrament? It's not officially recognized as a sacrament in the Church of the Nazarene, but we're capable of making distinctions. We can say, well, it's not a sacrament. It is a ritual, and we don't reject the ritual, and it's a good thing. We should be doing it. We should do it often. Distinctions are not a bad thing. We should have, when it comes to the church, Unity in essentials, but liberty in non-essentials. So when it comes to something like how do we do the Eucharist, we should be fairly unified in that. When it comes to the idea of what do we teach, what is orthodox, what is the correct way of revealing the will of God. When we have unity in essentials, that's a good thing. 
When it comes to non-essentials, something like the style or genre of music, then we may have liberty. When it comes to what does your architecture look like, what does the lighting in your building look like, what is the size of your, your congregation, you know, we can have liberty in those non-essentials. So that's one important distinction we must make. We must make distinctions between essentials and non-essentials. Another thing we must have distinctions in is there are things that the church does, and then there is the nature of the church. We must be able to separate these two. One of the problems with really the culture and the atmosphere around some of the stuff associated with Hillsong is that the whole mood of worship becomes something that the church is in that worldview. And that, that's a problem because the church is not a mood. God is not a figment of feeling. Yesterday I made the, the statement that when God becomes connected to emotion or feeling, then he becomes something which is not even a figment of imagination because imagination still has aspirations. It has a goal. It has somewhere it's going. But it becomes a figment of feeling. And if God becomes a figment of feeling, then the church has truly lost its way. And we must recognize there's a difference between what the church does and the nature of what the church is. The church, it is not a social club, but it is a place where fellowship happens. And fellowship is vital to the life of the church. We must recognize that the church is a place where there is music, but that is something it does. The church is not a place just of handouts or uh, a social um, intervention place where people come to find self-help or something like that. It's just not a social service place. It's not just a place where you come to be accepted or tolerated or whatever you may say. It is a place where you come to be transformed. There's a distinction in the things that we do and the things that we are. Now, as a side product, we do a lot of compassionate ministry. We do missions. We do a lot of things which go out, and they do bring social services. We are a place where we do have people be intervened. But that is because the nature of the church is to be a set-apart instrument bestowing God's grace. We never can forget the nature of the church. We must be people set apart for bestowing God's grace. We must offer something that the world cannot in the man Samson who left the, or he's losing his faith, as he said, and I hope that he has not completely lost it. I, I sincerely pray that. We, we find him saying, people find help everywhere. This is just another version of God. And he's being completely honest in that. The mood that is associated with this, I, I really don't want people to think I'm beating up on the music because it manifests other way. But music is the, the platform that this current conversation comes out. Um, the mood associated, again, it's predominating our, our Christian art, the mood that predominates Christian kind of culture, music, that sort of thing, it is one that reduces God down to a feeling or an emotion. It's not something which has a lot of thinking connected to it. And when the man says it's just another version of God, he's true. There are a lot of emotions out in the world. Um... When you have Christianity disconnected from the holiness of God, and it's just another genre of music, well, then you are just offering another version of, of the gods of the world. It's just another pagan idol that you can serve. But it has the new sin of taking the Lord's name attached to it because you've been branding it as the Lord God who spoke creation into existence, the Holy Trinity, which gives order to the universe. We shouldn't be doing that. Um, the church is set apart. The church should not be offering the same things that the world can the church should emphasize that we are to offer something the world can only imitate at best. So, continuing on with things we have to make distinctions about. There is a message, and then there is a messenger. 
I think that's kind of clear. We don't spend a lot of time. Don't give too much power to leaders. Don't give too much power to a specific pastor. Don't give too much power to a, a particular person leading the worship. There is a big difference between them. Um, people should not follow a church just because they really like the pastor. Don't give too much power to a given person. You see this play out even when people say they're not a Christian because there's too many hypocrites in the church. Again, they're giving way too much power to people. We're not supposed to do that. Continuing on in distinctions. One of the problems we have in the church is we must distinguish between things that are inexplicable and things that are subjective. And now when I say subjective, I mean things which don't have a fixed standard, things that are open to interpretation. We have a tendency to say that with theology because some things are inexplicable. Like the question of how in the world, or how did in all of God's creation, did God beget his son? It's inexplicable. We can't explain that. Um, St. Patrick says, you know, the father, he was unbegotten, ungenerated. And the son was begotten sometime by the father in an inexplicable way before time began. Well, you know, that's just how it is. We can't explain that. But that doesn't mean that it's subjective, that it's open to interpretation, that you must believe it in order for it to be true. It, it is true because it stands alone as truth. There are a lot of things in the church which people treat as being, you know, it's open to your opinion. It doesn't really matter because that's just something which is opinionated. You know, there are things in the church which are non-essentials that may be driven by opinion or taste. And there are things in the church which are essentials which are not. We must make a distinction between those. All right, so let's talk about preaching and art. One of the things we must make a distinction with, if the church is to have a firm backbone, is a difference between preaching and art. I grew up with the mentality a lot of people did as well, um, even people I know who are on the pastoral track who kind of have this mode that says, eh, I don't really want to preach because it's not popular. Our world looks around. You watch a standard crime drama of the modern era. If there's a preacher in it, they're probably going to be the villain. Um, you look at how critics review things, they say, oh, it was a bit too preachy. We kind of have this subtext in our culture that preaching is unpopular and people do not like preaching. You hear people say, oh, I didn't get much out of, out of preaching. I just don't like to hear somebody speak. I'd rather watch something else. There is truth that people have reservations about art that gets preachy. That is true. But we must make a distinction between art and preaching. If we look around us, people really actually do like preaching. If you look something up like a modern political debate, it's preaching and people, they want to hear somebody preach to them. If you look up a lot of podcasts, someone who's popular, um, maybe someone like Ben Shapiro, it's basically preaching. If you find anybody that's on popular cable news networks, it's basically preaching. In order for me to make a distinction between preaching and art, I kind of have to give some definitions on this. Art portrays truth where preaching is a persuasive use of language, it's a persuasive speech regarding the truth meant to give you spiritual development. Preaching is persuasive explanation of the truth, whereas art is just a portrayal of the truth. And sort of like a lot of things in the world, people don't like it mixed. You know, I really like to, to eat, you know, bagels with cheese. Not a lot of people would like chocolate put on their bagels with, with cheese and ham. You know, it doesn't sound like a good combination. Art and preaching, when they start to get blurred together, that's where things kind of lose their, their interest for people because they're two things which are distinct and separate, and they should be. Good art can move people and sway people's minds, and so can good preaching. 
and good preaching can be done artistically, but they are separate concepts. One of the, the problems leading up to the apostasy here with this, this gentleman is that the two became so inseparable that they were kind of watered down to where they weren't doing either very well. It wasn't a, a type of art which is transcendental and lasting. And part of that's because these are commercial artists, even though their stuff is used in the church. There's this idea that we need to make money while doing it. And I get that. It's expensive. It takes a lot of stuff. Not beating up people for, for being um, commercial artists. Though, when you start bringing things into the church, you should realize that the church is not a, not a commercial institution. It's the church. It's a holy thing. But art and preaching are not the same thing. We have to learn to make distinctions in that in the church. Um, thinking and feeling are not the same thing. This is another place where we need distinctions. And finally, I want us to, to move from making distinctions to a, another bit of this conversation. When we come to, to the church where we're at now and we look at the world becoming more and more hostile, it's harder to live your faith out. I think one of the big problems we have with public celebrities who are in the public sphere, and this is even true at a small scale, is whenever you actually stand up for the heart of the gospel, it is in conflict with the world. And when it's in conflict with the world, people come after they want to attack you and this causes celebrities to, you know, not really take a solid stance of orthodox faith. They kind of might take something, they might syncretize it with the world a little bit. And we find that the, the integrity of the gospel becomes polluted by our desire not to be hostile with the culture around us. We hear the command to be a peacemaker, and being a peacemaker is a good. But at the same time, we look in the Beatitudes while... We do get commands that say, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We hear these commands to be peaceful. But then we also find out that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. A lot of people, they like to be some version of, of a peacemaker, but they don't really want to be the person who is hungry for righteousness um, because it does cause conflict. In the church, we've also got to where we confuse weakness with meekness. And the blunt truth is you really can't be meek if you are weak. Um, to be meek is to have a firm, strong character. You're someone who has a lot of power. You're someone who has a lot of influence. You could do great things, but you have self-control and you've submitted yourself to God. We can't look at the world around us and there's no solution which is going to come from celebrities or a top-down approach we even look at the gospel jesus begins as a child born to mary and when god comes to mary he doesn't say you've got to become a celebrity overnight to garner all this attention it starts in the home when jesus is is born of mary in this advent we find that God says, for my son to be revealed to the world, he just needs to be brought up in an upstanding family. And the adventure of holiness starts in our home. We can't pollute our minds with the desire for celebrities to have big Facebook movements, to have big social media approval. When we start polluting ourselves with thinking the, the answer to these problems is massive, it's a macro top-down solution, then we find that we're really crippling ourselves. We're really crippling the opportunity for, for God to to be God, and we're starting to put priority on idols becoming God. And what we find 
is that the solutions oftentimes start in the home. Getting our own lives in such a way where we recognize the holiness of God, the call of God in our lives. We must be people of firm character. And as I close out this, and again, if anybody has any thoughts, questions, or comments, I want us to have unity in the church. We shouldn't be splitting in the church over mild disagreements. We shouldn't be splitting over things which are non-essential, you know. I often say a good metric for the church is how close are we to the Apostles' Creed. Uh, but you can expand that to, to a lot more things if you want. You can expand it to the, the entirety of Scripture. But um, a good, simple metric is the Apostles' Creed. It's completely consistent with Scripture, and it's short. You can look at it really quick. We in the church, we have to have unity, and we have to be shored up with strong fortification that we can live as God has called us to live. So in closing, I want to read from the Gospel of St. Matthew, uh, chapter 7, and I want to look at just a few verses here. And I know we've read this before, but I want to go to Matthew seven twenty-six and 27. And it says, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. Whenever we see celebrities fall from the faith, whenever we see these big movements of apostasy, and especially when it's someone that a lot of people have been following, whether it be Josh Harris, the, the pastor who writes the book on dating, whether it be a, a pastor you know locally who maybe has an affair in the church or something um, sinful, terribly sinful, which needs to be eradicated. Whenever we see things like this happen, a lot of people feel like their faith is, is cracking. They're, the world is crumbling out from under them. They see someone like Kilsong come out, and they say, well, I've been losing my faith. You know, logical questions come up saying, well, were you Christian when you were writing these songs? Where were you at? Did this happen out of nowhere? It certainly couldn't have. But we as the church, we must build ourselves on a solid, firm foundation. And the theology, which a lot of times is brought about by the driving forces of Christian culture, are not always the firmest ones. And I know it's almost overwhelmingly true, whether you look to universities, you look to just just about anywhere you are. People, they want to bring the face of Christianity to be something nice and palatable. We want it to be a smooth, cool neighbor with the secular world. We want it to look very secular. We want it to just kind of easily mesh in. But the truth is, the church must be set apart for God's purpose. We can't just be doing the same things the world is, but branding it in the name of God. If we want to have firm character and survive as Christians, and I don't mean survive in the sense of, you know, even life here on earth, but to hand off the church to the next generation, we must realize there is a great command we have to live by the gospel, and only by Christ's gospel should we measure ourselves. Well, that's where I'm going to end this. So if you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, please reach out to me. Again, I'm not here to try to beat up on things or cause disunity in the church. I really want there to be unity in the church, and I fundamentally want that. But I realize if we don't make some changes, if we allow ourselves to be defined by what is essentially um, shallow art and shallow preaching that are mixed together in a not-so-clean way, then we are going to find more apostasy because people aren't prepared to deal with the issues in life. But there's hope. There's always hope in the church. With that, God love you, and have a blessed day.